0: Okay. Please welcome my guest, Jordan Jones. You can find him on Instagram at J underscore bronze. Jordan is the founder at Iron Tree, and he is a prominent cannabis entrepreneur who has recently taken his endeavors into the CBD space, starting the company, Scara CBD. Scara is a very unique tincture that can be used as an ingestible or as a topical so like uh, oil for your face and includes all kinds of nourishing nutrients such as orange oil and vitamin e etc uh, it tastes very good of course works very well on your face he co-founded this company with several artists influencers and celebrities which has really helped propel it into the spotlight as a leading cbd brand Beyond that, he's also a painter and artist. I have personally participated in the art creation process with him and he is an absolute legend in that world. And I have personally purchased his art because I love it so much. Beyond that, he does speaking engagements on language, communication, and mindfulness, and has founded several other companies in the past, leading him up to where he is today. So without further ado, please enjoy my far and wide-ranging conversation with Jordan Jones. What's up, man? Not a
1: lot. I'm Not excited a lot. to be here.
2: Bro, so how funny is it how we first met?
1: <laughs> and then, like, instantly became friends?
2: Dude, it's hilarious. You want to tell the story? I would love to tell the story. I'd love to hear it. So we were at, uh, what was it, Arizu's? Arizu. Arizu. Yeah. I've mispronounced her name, like, countless <laughs> times. I was I was at the, this event at Dosis uh, on yeah, Dosis. Ab- Abikini last Week and I was like, Yeah, you know, I met this cool guy at Arzu's event, and, the, the, and somebody chimed in. And we we're like, It's a Rizu, and I was like, Really? <laughs> I was like, Damn, like, at the Dosis event, yeah. Like, I was like, I was like, I didn't even know you guys knew each other, but he's like, Yeah, it's a Rizu, and I was like, Damn. And I had noticed that I had been texting her. I like, gotta
1: ask her, maybe I'm saying it wrong this whole time.
2: <laughs> I was like, Correcting people, like. I was like, "Damn!" I looked at my text messages. I remember I texted her like, "Hey, Arzu," like <laughs> spelling it wrong. <laughs> oh, was spelling it wrong. Oh man! Like, I was like, "Damn!" I hope she hasn't been nice to me and just not told me this whole time. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, I don't know, but we got we got to sort this out. I'll, I'll ask her. All right. Um, after the show. Yeah, after the show, we'll, we'll sort that out. Um, but we were at this event. It wasn't in Brentwood, right? Yeah, and um, somewhere bougie. Somewhere nice, yeah, I think.
0: <laughs> there was an R8 parked
2: outside at you, know, you know, like there was a uh, waterfall in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, uh, we were doing, um, what was it, breath work. We did some yoga next to each other, and, and we yep. just so happened to just sit next to each other. It wasn't, it was just by chance, really. And uh, we did this tree pose where you grab other people's shoulders and you know we grabbed each other's shoulders and you know we're just kind of like i was i was a little bit hungover you know I wasn't, you? I wasn't I feeling know. great and i was like okay. <laughs> i think but i was a little hungover that I, was, day I was like this is this is not hard okay like i'm chilling i'm like i was like okay like this guy seems all right and then um but what it was really was uh after curtis's um breath work yeah we were talking about like uh kind of how uh how intense it was like i'm just sitting there seizing up and like i've never had an experience like that well, was that
1: your first time doing holotropic breathwork
2: well so no like i that's that was my that was why i was so surprised because i've done it before yeah i've done it before i have a friend harry who's like a shaman and like he he introduced me to breathwork and i thought it was so cool you know and i would go to his classes every once in a while in like west hollywood and, you know, those ones are great. Don't get me wrong. They're great. But with Curtis, like, when they were saying he's the Tony Robbins of breathwork. Do like, they say yeah, that? I haven't, I haven't, yeah, has gotten few down times to me yet, now. but. Yeah, but wow. like, how, that guy's not fucking around. Yeah, he was not fucking around. <laughs> that was, that was really good. And I remember, I, I think we, I think we even dispersed and then we came back before you left. And I just remember, like, we looked at each other and I was like, I can't remember who said something first. But it was it was like this instant kind of like oh this guy's kind of cool yeah I could be humming with this <laughs> yeah. guy Not and yet. then I was like I was like uh, how, so how about that breath work huh <laughs> and then and then and then you you were like damn that was so good and uh, remember the part that they were talking about the loved remember a time that you're feeling the most loved mm-hmm. and I said I just couldn't help but think of my mom cooking for me oh yeah. And you said the same thing, more or less. You're like, that's so crazy that you said that because I was thinking of my mom, you know, making like have, us having dinner with my mom and just having a feeling of love. And I feel like it was just kind of funny that we connected on the pretenses of mom love. A couple you know? of mama's boys. <laughs> yeah, a couple of mama's boys. Like just out in LA trying uh, to make it. <laughs> out in LA at some like. <laughs> day retreat you know like it was just like oh man I thought it was so cool I didn't even really think about that until like the other day
1: yeah honestly I forgot that that was the basis we started our conversation on but I have a big connection to my mom that she almost always comes up when I'm doing spiritual work Mm. you know whether that's like doing ceremonies or meditation she's there a lot dude that's huge yeah I mean it also reminds me how important it is to like go see her and like spend time and make time but yeah, I, I, one of the interesting things I find about like doing spiritual stuff is like everyone is so vulnerable. And like, how do I put it? Like their guard is down. So anyone, you know, could theoretically like get into their space, maybe into their heart and like, I would think people would be uh, kind of awkward and like standoffish but what I've found is that like at those events like people are like very talkative it's very easy to like strike up conversation and get along so when people are like, being vulnerable they're actually more easy to talk to mm. and so I think that's why like we fostered a friendship so instantly because we're like this guy's energy is clear I know that he's genuine and, and what you see is what you get and uh, that's the basis I need to like be cool with like chatting or whatever mm-hmm. you know whereas like if you I mean you think about like a nightclub right like everyone is so guarded a lot of people like standing with their arms folded or you know there's a type of body language called called I think it's called blading when you turn a shoulder in and you're basically shutting out your your energy to that other person blading I think that's the term Tom you mentioned it hmm either blading or shielding I think it's called blading but anyway you know like the way people's body language communicates like don't talk to me at clubs you know especially with like women or like at bars and stuff mm. you can see that how different people's energies are there whereas like at the breath work it was like everyone is like you're welcome to come mm. uh, feel nurtured near me um and I yeah you know I, th- I think it's funny because that's the basis of our friendship and like We've become like really good friends really quickly uh-huh. only in a matter of like a month.
2: Yeah. Which is not like normal for me. Like, <laughs> yeah, me it's neither. Not. I'm like, pretty I picky don't. with who I yeah, get with. I'm very, I'm very picky. Cause I try to live my life by that saying you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And I, and I'm very protective of my time and my mental space, you know? Yeah. So it's, nice. it's uh, so it's nice because it's like, okay, yeah, we met each other at a place where we are trying to become better human beings. <laughs> so a good, that that good you know, basis to meet on <laughs> it's a great basis i think to meet on you know so i thought that was pretty cool and that's actually what i plan on sharing too on thursday i plan uh-huh. on sharing opening with that with which part with the how we met because uh. it'll tie into that's why we're doing this event is to meet strangers connect and connect, with, and connect with them yeah so it's like it makes sense it ties in for me
1: Perfect. Yeah. I, I found that at my last event, we did something that caused people to like break the ice and, in, in a, like a more modern way, you know, sure. like with the meditation and like even had people like pick each other up off the ground and stuff. And the energy in the event rose so much, like everyone was being very talkative and like afterward people were buzzing, like got so mm. many thank you notes after the fact. And like, just thinking back on like when I go to events, I don't send a thank you note to the host usually. So people must have really had like, yeah, they an must above have the really got some values
2: yeah yeah that's awesome yeah i was actually thinking that like you know i grew up in the church like in church church you know and i which city did you grow up in i grew up in madison wisconsin i didn't know until until i was 16 and then Mm -hmm. i moved to florida to finish my senior year in high school got it and then i was there for about more or less 10 years more or less which part of florida uh tampa yeah and i was in the church like heavy like sunday wednesday like baptist church like all kinds of churches like i went to baptist churches and i went to evangelical churches like presbyterian like i was all over yeah. the place With the shouting like, and the dancing like everything spoken tongues did all that <laughs> Dude, yeah 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 it's it's pretty nuts. look at you now yeah look at me now so, uh but uh what i thought was i sometimes i think back to that because you know after i would say maybe like 23 i became very uh maybe I was like 22 I became very uh, resentful towards the church and like towards Christianity and religion and everything so I was very uh what's the word I was very nihilistic like and also very atheist at the same time like that's that's usually the tendency like it's apostasy you know that word no I don't know apostasy that is like freeing yourself from a dogma and a lot I love, of times, it's, I love that. It, a lot of times, it's but but with apostasy comes a lot of growing pains that a lot of people don't actually get out of. So it's like uh. when when let's just say that you have like a worldview that is like let's just say you're Muslim or Christian or you grow up in a certain religion and then your apostasy happens where you're like wait this is not. There isn't one true God. There maybe is other gods, maybe there's no gods, maybe there's blah, blah all the this other God. Stuff. And the easiest the easiest thing to like slide into is nihilism. because when you have this one, you when you have this one answer that you've had your whole life and you find out that that's not it and you find out there's infinite answers, the easiest answer is to say, "Oh well, what's real? What can I quantify? Well, I can't quantify God. I can't quantify an afterlife. So that means that there's nothing, and that means that nothing matters. That's kind of the slippery slope that a lot of ex Christians or ex whatever go down is they find nihilism, and then they kind of lose like a higher sense of of purpose, uh, of purpose a higher sense of accountability." right so it's like like so that's why it's like i'm not i'm not in any way saying that it's a it's like an awful thing to lose your religion because i don't i'm not religious but it's dangerous for some people when they find that apostasy and then they're just they're nihilistic like like i know some people i know i'm very close to some people that are still like that after finding their apostasy both of us have gone through that yeah so i'm sure people watching and listening have too yeah and it's it's i remember how dark it was for me thinking like there is no god there's no heaven or hell okay so what the fuck's the point like like what, what am i gonna do with myself now oh so I've, oh great i'm gonna have a family and kids i'm gonna basically do become this. very
1: worldly because it's like all i can do is affect society yeah and and beyond my lifetime
2: yeah so it took me a really long time to kind of figure that out I, I find it really funny that me and you,
1: you know, I think the more that I learned about you, the more I learned that we have in common, because uh-huh. I had a really, really similar journey. I was raised in a, a, a devout Christian church. My parents are still very religious. And uh-huh. um, of course I grew to resent it because I, I couldn't have girlfriends when I was younger and all of these things that like, a you know, a young boy wants, all, yeah. of, all of his vices are restricted. So I went through that period and I almost, after it was all done, after I started becoming more spiritual and believing and a universal God and things like that. I actually felt pretty guilty uh, about how far away I went from spirituality and faith. Man. And I felt bad about it. And I I felt guilty to my mom, cause I'm like, I stonewalled her during that whole time. She yeah. would try to like open my mind and my heart and I would just block her out. And now when we have those conversations, um, I mean, you know, kind of had to go all those places to get here, but now I've talked more openly about faith and stuff with her, but it's weird because now I kind of like got my foot in my mouth. Cause I'm like, you were right this whole time. Like at least in what your intentions were, maybe mm. I don't believe the same religion as you, but mm-hmm. um, you know, for me to go to this place where anything is acceptable because there is no accountability, no ultimate accountability. You know, I justified a lot of my behavior when I was younger
2: with that same pretense. Mm. Yeah. And like there's there's got to be like how does she, how does she feel about that now though like is she cool with like how's the, like i'm curious about your conversations i'll tell you about mine but i'm curious about like those conversations like is she cool with it like or is she so kind of my just... mom is
1: very she's quiet mm. she doesn't speak her mind a lot mm. and i feel like she doesn't get the justice she deserves because of that so she's not very outspoken about or at least with me, because I'm I'm a pretty dominant presence in the in the family. I'm mm-hmm. probably the most aggressive, you know. I'm the most entrepreneurial in the house, and mm. that can be uh, intimidating, especially because I've had some success to go along with it. And so, like, it's easy for me to justify the way I think and act because I'm like, well, look what I've created. You know, it's kind of <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, what I'm doing is working. Yeah, damn it. <laughs> God, that sounds so arrogant. It, yeah, it does. It but does. I, that's why I'm bringing it out to acknowledge that. I I don't think that becoming successful financially or even socially or whatever necessarily justifies any kind of wrongdoing or a negative behavior but fair enough my conversations with her so I I eventually just put down all of my withholdings because she's my parents are getting old my dad's 70 my mom's 63 so it's like this is a time when I want to have full relationship with them without any restrictions so, I don't hold back at all. I tell her everything. I told her when I did my ayahuasca ceremony. Mm. Sent a chill down her spine, of course. Oh yeah. And then I did I did a second one. I told her all about it. I told her about my learnings during it. I told her the first time I tried psychedelics and she's she's frightened to buy it, but I feel like it empowers her in a sense because it's like, look, we can be straight up with each other. And so when I when I had those deep spiritual experiences, like I do ayahuasca as a spiritual journey, it's not recreational. Mm -hmm. So to tell her about my, uh, my faith and my spirituality through those experiences, I think she was a bit relieved because she, she saw me come back around to realizing that there are higher powers Mm -hmm. and that all of those years of uh, insubordinance I would say on my part, I've, I've, the, I, can't, I can't help but own up to them you know yeah. and, and she doesn't really have to say anything it's something that 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 I have to come to terms with on my on my own mm-hmm. and now the conversation is is very free-flowing with her she gets intimidated and scared of like certain things and and in, in my ways and stuff like that she wants me to you know be a Christian like her but we have the most fluidity we've ever had in general and now I feel the
2: closest to her right because i don't
1: hold anything back
2: man that's like that's so freeing honestly it is because i remember the the (laughs) and it rattles her cage a little bit but i think she appreciates it uh, like that because at the end of the day they most i would say 99.9 percent of mothers just they just want to love you and they just want you to do well and i think where the conflict is is with them Is that they, you know, they raise you a certain to be a certain way, and then when it's not that exact way, it's like, like, but if you're showing them like I'm actively trying to be a better human, just like what you're saying, but it's maybe not along the same presets and you know ways that exactly the same way that you want to do it, like, like that. Eventually, it kind of chips away at them that okay, yeah, my son's not a pastor, (laughs) but. you know because my mom wanted me to be a pastor you know i bet you do you know like and i'm like no i'm not gonna do that but i am going to use my voice to like try to make people's lives better like I, i you know i understand like i come from a sales background i'm very good with how i use language so i'm like okay well i could i could do that for good you know it doesn't necessarily mean i'm gonna have people doing altar calls and stuff you know
1: Yeah, I think it's so funny how after you go and you go down this, you take your alchemist journey, you know, you go all over the Mm. place and then you eventually come back to faith and spirituality if if you're continually growing because that's where you fulfill all of your worldly purposes and then you look for bigger things. Mm. Um, But I find it's funny that it's just a lot of nomenclature differences. I mean... You know when they talk about god or universal power if if i looked at the definition you know the they they could be they could be swapped mm-hmm. in a lot of ways like a, a universal energy that can create manifestations or that can appear into the future into the past or that can make miracles happen like miracle is the bible language whereas like manifestation might be the modern millennial language for it mm-hmm. it just it, a lot of it looks very similar to me
2: very similar and you know what's really cool too is like so I found this guy. I'm sure I don't know if you've heard of him, Jordan Peterson. Have you heard of him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so like I I watched all. He's
1: he's like a pundit, right?
2: All, uh, political pundit. I mean, like I, he's not even a political pundit. He's like uh he's he's literally a. Um, but a big YouTuber, right? Well, yeah, he has a huge YouTube now. Okay. Yeah, I just um, want to
1: make sure I think thinking about the same guy.
2: Oh yeah, he uh he is like a social psychologist. That's him that's he, has been his thing and also a professor that he teaches at um at, in Toronto somewhere. Wasn't oh, he a lawyer as well? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think he was a lawyer, but he has these um three hour long lectures on different chapters in the Bible and like breaking them apart. And it's so fucking good. <laughs> like wow. it's so, so you've watched them. I've watched them. YouTube? I've watched all of them.
1: <laughs> we should link to that in the like, show notes. Yeah, we, I wanna watch them. Yeah,
2: they're so good because like he talks about like, for example, the Cain and Abel story. And now,
1: now is he an atheist or nihilist?
2: No, he's he's not. He doesn't really claim a certain religion. (laughs) Okay, you know, but he but he says that there's like him and Sam Harris have these really good debates because Sam Harris is like totally anti-religion. Yeah, and Jordan Peterson is more like it's kind of dangerous to it's kind of dangerous to kind of throw throw out everything, you know, to throw out all the religions, and then like people can potentially experience what I was just telling you about about the apostasy and like finding nihilism so quickly because it's such an easy thing
1: yeah the thing that stuck with me that you said is you you remove the accountability factor when you remove the higher
0: power
2: yeah so that's the danger that is the danger so it's like but he has these lectures like for example the, the the Cain and Abel story it's about sacrifice and about how humans are making sense of what sacrifice is so like Abel would sacrifice his best, right? So he would sacrifice his best cow or whatever, calf or or crop, whatever the fuck, to God as like an exclamation saying, I am devoted to living up to this idea of a higher consciousness or a higher power. I'm going to sacrifice my best right now for a good outcome in the future, right? And Cain... Didn't want to fucking do that. (laughs) He didn't want to do that. Why should I have to do this? Blah, blah. blah. Why is he getting all the, why is he getting everything? Yeah. So what if he sacrifices his best? So that's like the jealousy of the people. What I would equate to as the haters, right? Especially on social media these days that you can just go look at. And they, on the comments, it's just, it's incredible. The number of people that are like this fucking idiot, blah, 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 blah. They're talking shit about somebody. And then, you look at their profile and like they work at KFC or something. It's like, okay, they're on their own journey. Sure. But it's like, what, like, what are you doing to make your life better? Like for the
1: lives of others or the lives
2: of others, you know, it's like, why are you throwing stones at this person? Who's trying something, you know, for themselves. I mean, yeah, certainly some people deserve a certain level of criticism. I'm just talking about people who just comment on other pages of just hate for no reason. It's a similar thing. And so it's like, that story is really encapsulating the idea of like if i work out now if i work out every single day i'm going to get to a certain result maybe i might not get the best i'm going to sacrifice eating this bullshit today i'm going to sacrifice watching tv i'm going to exercise for a better result in the future that principle is in the fabric of that story and like, which I find so fascinating because like that I'm like, people wonder why the Bible has been around as long as it has. It's because I think it's like, it's pretty wild to think about. It's like humans making sense of what is happening, you know, like humans making sense of what is like, like the existence of being. And it's like this, like this documented journey from there. You know, like I I can go on the get go. I can go on and on. Honestly, like, like there's there's (laughs) all kinds of really really makes me
1: respect the people who documented it all and wrote it all. And I mean, the longevity of that, like where do you get that kind of longevity elsewhere?
2: Where? Yeah. Literally nowhere. Well, I mean, some people, you know, the Bhagavad Gita, probably. I think it's older. Is it? I don't know. I think it is older. Top of my head i'm pretty sure it is but obviously that one's full of good shit too you know it, it
1: is i mean it's it studies the fundamentals right it studies the workings of humans interacting with each other and with mm. with the earth and so that stuff is mainstays and that's why you know if somebody were to ask me a lot of the principles in the bible are still my guiding principles you know like integrity is one of the biggest things in the bible and like I mean look you can have bad integrity but you don't make it very far so you're gonna kind of have to learn that either way but in business integrity really pays oh my god it's everything just being able to keep your promise and everything yeah and and i also find that that's that's something that can be sacrificed in the in the nihilism slope i would Mm. say is is not needing a sense for integrity because it's like look i just i got to scrap now to, to to make my own and to like survive in this world But I think a lot of it boils down to short-term thinking and versus long-term thinking. Like whether it's taboo, you know, think of the first guy who went to, uh, started lifting weights, like picking up rocks off the ground and lifting weight. Like people are probably like, dude, you're out of your mind. Mm -hmm. Like, why why are you like picking this rock up and putting it back down a bunch of times? And it's the same thing as like the sacrificing the lambs. Like I'm doing this for a better outcome down the road, but at least I'm trying something. Mm Yeah, and and he probably suffered from trolls.
2: Yeah, <laughs> right. Know? I, I know, I know. It's just it, there's just so many cool things in there. So for me, I've adopted. I, I don't know what to call it yet. Like, I I think probably the best way to call it is like a worldview. I've been talking about this a lot with with like my friends and stuff. There's a there's a difference between like like you know how when people some people are like what do you believe in? It's like it's a complicated question for me specifically. <laughs> Very because, complicated because like usually people are trying to elicit like i'm muslim or i'm a christian a or, box to put you in or or i'm agnostic or i'm an atheist or whatever like for me i think that's two questions rolled up in one it's two questions because you're asking me okay do i believe in some exterior god figure and then the other question is what subset of rules do you live your life by because those are two different things Like you could be, oh, I believe in Hinduism, you know, I believe we're reincarnated. I believe, you know, that if uh, my karma identifies what I get reincarnated as, but, but you live your life as like, not that, then that's, what does it matter? So like, for me, I think like my subset of rules that I live my life by is find what's useful and do that, (laughs) you know? That's that's my subset of rules. So it's like if I find something that's useful from the Bible, I'm gonna use it. If I find something that's useful from the Bhagavad Gita, I'm gonna use that. If I find something that's useful from the Quran, I'm gonna use it. I don't give a shit where it comes from. Taking what's useful and using that, I just don't see how you can go wrong with it, you know. And then I would say my my view yeah, on why, like, why
1: does it have to fit into a certain puzzle of to to make this big grander picture i think that's just a a way of people feeling like oh it all fits together and it, it you know there there is reason and purpose behind it but nature is so dynamic like it doesn't have to have perfect like there's a lot of asymmetrical stuff in nature
2: it's so goddamn complicated yeah like how could it all fit into one big nice puzzle it doesn't make any sense but that's what people want to do you know they want to say oh this person is that, I think it comes person. from insecurity i think
1: people just want a clear explanation for their for their purpose mm. without wanting to do a ton of deep work to figure out what it is
2: well because it's hard it's really fucking hard and expensive <laughs> and expensive it takes patience it's all long-term thinking versus short-term thinking man it is exhausting like if i look at if i look at it's exhausting in a good way but it is it's like if i look at all the self-work that i've done in the last like i don't know four years i'm just like oh my god like if I had to do it again, I don't know. <laughs> but that's the thing is I, I am continually doing it again and again and but again. But you know
1: what's funny is because there's always rubber on the road, you're always making meaningful changes mm-hmm. and never
2: gets old no matter how tiring it is. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true because it's like, I feel like it's for me, like, I, man, I'm probably a utilitarian to the core to some degree <laughs> because the way I even pictured in my head is like I'm picking up tools and I'm learning how to use them. So it's like I pick up the tools first and then you know maybe I keep this tool for a while and then I eventually will learn how to but use it. But is there it.
1: anything inherently wrong with getting rid of the tools that aren't being used on the job? No. There's there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. I think a lot of people's defensiveness and need for everything to fit nicely together is just fear. You know, I think I think fear drove a lot of I mean, up in that's why we're really at a turn in the century, because it's like the generation of fear is finally ending now that things like consciousness are becoming mainstream. I don't know if it's ending, but there's a shift happening. Like the way like xenophobia is a perfect example of fear in my opinion. Mm. You know, like if you if you shut out the good talent, say engineers from India, those engineers are gonna build better technology in India and that's that place is gonna be more prosperous. And so it's, it's fear that they're going to take our jobs. Like, why don't you just go learn to program, you know, white guy from, from Oklahoma, <laughs> you know, yeah. like if you, if you don't want somebody to take your job, just go do better than them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and instead they, they shut things out that they're scared of. And, and that, that concept lives so pervasively, not in the Bible, but in people's manifestation of the Bible, mm. you know, how people live it out mm. and in a lot of religions and and everything that I do, you know, both me and you, our, our businesses are wove pretty deeply into our lives. I'm trying to remove that fear short-term thinking. If you break into somebody's house because you need food, like that's because you fear you're not going to have something to eat the next day. And it's really short-term thinking. But if you can remove yourself from the fear component, I, I need to do this, I need to do that to feel safe, you know, then you can be your best self in Mm. business and in life. And that's why I don't have a a clear doctrine from a book because I don't want to be, I think people have really misinterpreted it. There's a book called uh, Wild at Heart. I'm forgetting the author is, but it's a Christian author. And he talks about how uh, men are meant to be fierce and savage and go-getters and and all this stuff. And the Mm. Bible, the, the church, I mean, the church turns them into good little church boys who are soft and, and like turn the other cheek is has been completely misinterpreted and it's created a bunch of uh
2: wimps essentially mm-hmm.
1: so that book's really good i recommend it if if
2: yeah actually my mom made me read it when i was a kid Did she? Yeah, she did. i mean I, it's I, just for I, a different perspective yeah, i don't agree with everything in it of but course not but but again you took what was useful from it you know what i'm saying and like you left the rest like no you don't need to pray to jesus twice a day i'm not saying that's what the book says but yeah, yeah but no, yeah, but no. the author definitely wouldn't disagree with that position you know as a christian author yeah man dogma is just not i don't think dogma is useful because again i really grew up in the church and i know this this must be familiar to you it's like oh they're muslim they're going <laughs> to hell straight up oh they're, they're not a believer they're going a believer. to hell believer you know great
1: bible or great church word. oh man
2: dude i love christianese, <laughs> christianese. <laughs> I, 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 love, I love so many words man uh, oh uh jonathan it was backsliding again he he i think <laughs> he, i think he had sex with his girlfriend he's backsliding <laughs> yeah like oh, i know man. all. i know all the terminology <laughs> oh man A believer dude it's yeah the enemy is after my, my me dad today. used to refer to people
1: who were pre uh converted as uh, being blind yep yep blind
2: to the light Uh, blind to the light yep or the lost the lost (laughs) the broken the broken the homeless shitty people
1: (laughs) (laughs) dude it was so bad think about those words though like that's how we were projecting on other people literally that's
2: how we were projecting like that that thing about how fucking crazy that is that Oh, my friend at school is like the coolest person ever, but they're going to hell because they don't believe what I believe. AKA, he must be evil. Dude.
1: Like, think about that. You're a kid in, in preschool and you're friends with another kid who's, say, atheist. I mean, atheist had such a negative connotation when I was a kid. Oh my God. You were, you were you
2: might as well have been like a, devil, satan, like worshiper. a devil worshiper. That like, <laughs> the, like, molested kids. Like, the worst thing possible thing you could possibly think of was an atheist when I was growing up. And you hang out with them and your parents shame you for it. Oh yeah. And then you
1: stop hanging out with them. And guess what? Another wall is built between you and somebody else.
2: Yeah. Or you resent your parents, which or yeah. Yeah. That or you turn inward. Oh, so speaking of that, I wanted to talk about that part. The resenting your parents thing. I've talked to my mom about this too. Uh, Oh, yeah, dude, dude. I resented her so badly when I found my apostasy. I almost couldn't even be in the same room with her. This was only like a period of span of maybe six or seven months, but it felt like a really long time because I'm very close with her. Like I was a mama's boy my whole life. I still, I would say, I would say that kind of still. I think, dude, I don't, (sighs) I don't think you can even get away from that. Now we
1: literally met on the basis of being mama's (laughs) boy. Yeah,
2: seriously. And like, I read this book that I recommend to anybody dealing with this it's called loving what is and I can't I can't for the life of me I can't remember the author but it's a woman I, that's, I can't remember her name it's like I can't remember so just look it up it's called loving what is and it has this exercise in it that literally reframed my whole relationship with my mom in one fucking exercise wow dude it was it was we'll so put that in the show notes for sure 100% like it was so good it was like it was saying something like my mom shouldn't it it has to do do this like this whole exercise with these different sentences and then rearranging the words and Hmm. like it was like so it was like say what you feel in this context like my mom shouldn't try to force me to be a christian and then my mom shouldn't get upset when i say this my mom shouldn't and then it flips it and then it's like i shouldn't get upset when my mom expects me to do this. I shouldn't do this. And that like, it was like totally reframing wow. my position with her and like accepting her as her. And like, because I was getting upset at her expectations of me Think with of how my, cyclical with, that is. with my expectations of how she should be treating me. Right. So I'm like, holy shit. Like she, she Unfortunately, just, it falls back on you. It falls back on me. I'm the one creating the tension there. Yeah. I'm the one creating the up. tension because I'm like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't want me to be this way. You shouldn't want me to be this way because, 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 because I found a different way. Now I found I'm a smarter way. than you. Yeah, exactly. And, and so you're out of touch, d- dude, you're like, it was such a relieving moment. So it's like now my relationship with her is I literally tell her everything. I tell her everything, and I just and I steamroll over any kind of weird, like. <laughs> well, the Bible says. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Like, yeah, no, that sounds great. You <laughs> well, know, the Bible like, says, cool. You know, like, in Psalm you know, 31. well, the Lord. I was praying for you. Cool. I'm great. I'm. Thank you for thinking of me. You know, straight up. Like, I'm like, like, dude. I still, I still send my
1: mom prayer requests when somebody's in the hospital. She oh, goes yeah. and puts it into her circle. And
2: well, because I look at prayer as like you consulting your highest possible. Like your, best resource. <laughs> your highest possible ideal, you. It's like the ideal you. Like that's how I think about prayer. Wow. It's like you are consulting the ideal version of yourself. Damn, that's because deep. because you only you only have what's in your head. What's yeah, in what your, your head. interpretation. Exactly. Is it. So it's like it's not coming from some divine source. You are consulting the highest possible version of yourself. And that's why I think prayer is useful. You know, like you can call it whatever you want. I call it like talking to myself. I talk to myself. I you call know? it journaling, meditation, whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's like good for good for you. If Entrepreneurs you want to... love talking to themselves. Oh man! <laughs> Every time I'm like co-working with somebody, they're like, "Don't, sorry, I, 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 don't mind me. I'm just talking to myself over here." Well, you know, there's something about that. I just read this book called um, "Managing Oneself" by Peter Drucker. Peter Drucker. I Dude, was gonna say so that sounds like a Drucker book. <laughs> Drucker book, bro. Those are so good. It's a 45 minute listen on like an audiobook. Wow, It's very short. One of the best 45 minutes of I actually... What's it called? Managing oneself. People are going to have a big book list at the end of this episode. Oh, my God. We we have to put together a book list for all... Because, dude, I'm telling you, there's so many good ones. (laughs) And uh, this, this one, just talking... It was so revealing to me because I've had this stupid, dumb, like, disdain for myself for, like, not actually reading books listening to the listening some, some stupid <laughs> like i'm cheating it's or weird. Something. yeah it's like, like, like cheating, I'm cheating. <laughs> like like wait a second you like like peter, peter drucker this guy wrote this in like i don't even know like fucking the 60s or something or 50s and he was like oh this ceo learns by listening the best so don't bother giving him a you know a, a a list to read because he won't he won't no shame in that see, and 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 he was talking about different learning styles and how you need to understand your learning style and the learning styles of those around you especially in business step one
1: is you good good is you great is understanding other people's right styles.
2: so it's like so he was talking about this one a ceo i can't remember from which company but it was a, a large company at the time of, when he wrote the book and he said this ceo has been known for calling day of board meetings and getting everybody in the room and him literally taking three positions of a subject and talking them out against himself (laughs) and just having everybody else listen (laughs) like that's an An experiment with himself yeah yeah so he's basically taking three positions talking because he learns by talking right and this guy just needed an audience probably because he was a narcissist yeah it could be that whatever
1: that's how he learns though fuck it
2: right but what i got from that was like wow i'm not the only one because i'm in my house all the time like talking things out with myself verbally because a lot of times it's like i'm trying to get some language right not just for other people but for myself like to reframe a situation or a conversation basically like journaling yeah it's very much like journaling except like it's just you it, have to materialize it yeah like for me it's like that's that is my learning style and so it was just so fucking validating for me wow. it was so validating wow. to read that book like wow peter drucker this guy knows everything what he's, he's talking a legend about. Yeah. he's a legend and like he's literally talking about me and i didn't even know that this was a thing you know i thought it was just kind of weird I know it is really weird dude so when
1: I was like in my early 20s I was working my first job and there was this big potential client that I wanted to get to to, like come work with our company to close the deal Mm The guy was so successful he had like a 100 person company they were doing like tens of millions in revenue and I was talking to him and he told me his his charity work is basically helping um, teaching kids who have dyslexia Mm -hmm. to read and then I was talking to him and I, he's talking about all these components of dyslexia. I'm like, dude, I have that. And I'm like, no wonder it's so hard for me to read when I was a kid. Basically what dyslexia is, is uh, when your right brain is more active than your left, uh, you naturally, you focus on your right eye essentially. So in American society, read from the left side of the page. So as a dyslexic, you typically will try to put things on the right side of the page. So if you're like writing, you'll accidentally skip to the right or you'll put one letter to the end of the word
2: oh or
1: you'll read from the right side of the page subconsciously and then have to jump back and forth and i remember i was in in a sophomore in high school and i was reading this history book and i read the whole chapter and literally digested none of it and i did horribly on the test and i was like "I, i read this whole thing like why didn't i understand it and then what I came to find out was I basically had dyslexia. And, and I thought it was this big disability when really it's just a different, a different arrangement, I guess you could say, or a different configuration of our brain. But people who are dyslexic tend to be very creative because the right brain handles the organic thought, hmm. not the structured thought. The left brain would be matrices and spreadsheets and stuff like that. Whereas the right brain handles like fractal style thinking. Hmm. And so I was like, oh, no wonder I'm so creative. No wonder I like drawing and painting and stuff like that because I am actually physically disposed for that. Hmm. And all this time I've been trying to learn the way the other kids learn, and it never was favorable for me. And so I always just learned by doing, and I scraped my knees a lot because of it. You know, it's expensive to 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 learn by doing every time. And you know, now being an entrepreneur and having started, I guess what like four companies at this point, like there's proof that you can you know of course work with any disability I didn't even know until I was in my 20s but when I was you know working at a big corporate company I was a marketing strategist and I had to manage all of our budgets for my group and that was 3.7 million dollars worth of budget so I'm running through all of these spreadsheets doing all this budget planning and stuff and literally like like a kid with special needs, right? Like I, I, I'm, I'm trying to read these spreadsheets from the right side of the page, not, not on purpose, but yeah. naturally. And I, and I got pretty good at finance and financial planning and stuff during that time. Mm. But my learning style was so different, and I didn't even know that. And I always wondered why, you know, analytical concepts and and thinking were harder for me. Mm. Um, and I just, I just fought tooth and nail to learn those things. But ultimately now I have yin and yang, you know, I can be a creative thinker who's also strategic and, and structured mm. and and does planning. And, you know, it's funny that I had to spend decades of my life learning the hard way. I feel like I've gotten beaten up way more than I need to in business oh, <laughs> before reaching my stride and catching some some success. I, I took a lot of beatings because my learning style was not attended to when I was young. My mom fostered it well, but the
2: schools didn't. Mm. So what would you say is Mama's the, boy. is your most effective like learning style like what like you like to
1: I definitely I've listened to all like 400 of Tim Ferriss's podcast episodes. Wow. And the the fundamentals of how I run businesses is very similar to his. So I would say that I absorb that well. Mm. Um so listening to audiobooks, listening to podcasts. That's part of why I wanted to create a podcast because I love listening to podcasts. Mm. I do it when I'm getting ready in the morning, even when I'm in the shower, I have them on, Yeah, on the way to the office. It's cause it's something that can like, I can have on continually. And so it fills the blanks of all the time that I'm doing idle work, like packing up my backpack or packing mm. up my lunch and, and it can allow me to learn. Now I've started reading, but I started reading really slowly. And now I've I've plowed through a ton of books. I have a full bookshelf of books that have been read, but. Mm. I read them really slowly because I had to, yeah, in order to absorb the information. So it's 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 listening, it's watching video, it's practicing. Yeah, reading sucks, but like I, mean, I feel like it's a necessary evil to some extent. It it really humbles me and slows me down. You know, like if I'm sitting on the beach and reading a book, it mm. it forces me to be so present because literally I can feel more energy in my right eye. Wow, yeah,
2: that's nuts. Yeah, I, I mean, and the fact that they're there's infinitely more books than there are the audio, audio books of yeah. them, which is so annoying for me honestly like the other day i was looking at the tim ferris reading list and i i saw this book naturally right? five bullet friday yeah right and I, I saw this book it was like um gaining more wisdom and i'm like fuck yeah dude yeah so, this looks like a banger so I'm like, so I'm like typing it into google play and the audible and it's not in there and i'm like damn it yeah, I guess I'm not fun. reading that. Yeah, I'm not, not reading that one. <laughs> you know, another
1: funny thing about um, about being like a super strong right brain is that we have a disposition for clairvoyance. Mm. So uh, basically, you're like your sense of energy and your ability to tap into, pardon the woo language, but other dimensions, mm. being able to uh, tap into spiritual experiences is much easier for me. So I can I can read people's energy well. I can also get into a really powerful meditative state when using something like plant medicine. I can it's it's a wild and very vivid journey. I don't I can't compare it to anyone else's experience, but what I know for myself is that I have been able to sense Joe Dispenza, that's the book I'm currently listening to, not reading <laughs> his book uh Becoming Supernatural, I think it's called. Mm. Talks about how all energy carries waves and and those waves carry information like the Hertz, uh, they carry information. And so when we put off energy, that is certain information that somebody else can download Hmm. essentially. So when we put off vibes, like when somebody walks in the room and the room lights up, they're putting off an energy and that energy is absorbed by the people in the room and that energy carries information. Those waves carry information. So, uh, what that data, is sharing the energetic data, the intention of that person, essentially. I can pick up on that really easily. It's mm. really, natural, really natural for me. So you're like an empath, so to speak. I mean, I don't know if I am, that's how it yeah. feels, but I I remember one time I was taking psychedelics and this girl sat next to me and she, I mean, I don't think she was on anything, but I was. <laughs> and I was at an art exhibition and I was having a, a, an awesome time and she sat next to me and and I just felt like sexual energy and like, sadly, like desperation, like she was desperate to get laid. And I, I felt that energy so strong and her intention was so clear because yeah. the plant medicine had amplified that component of my brain. Uh-huh. And like, I could see her and know exactly what she came for that night. Huh. And uh, it made me realize how powerful those signals are. And when we open up our 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 hearts and our ears and our minds to to receiving them through things like meditation, journaling, whatever, or breath work or psychedelics, you can capture that information really quickly. Mm. And I found that that has been a pretty instrumental component in business for me because I can read people quickly and I can connect with them in a genuine way. And then once that trust is built, the deal gets done.
2: Mm. Oh yeah. Cause people work with people. You know, people buy from people, they don't buy a product necessarily, or they buy a story. That's another, that's like another huge Mm -hmm. theme, you know, so they can connect with your story. I do want to talk about your story with Scara too, and and how you'll
1: you'll sell that and and the stage that led up to that from your past businesses. But just to touch on that real quick. Okay, I I make a promise. I'm gonna set up these three marketing campaigns for you and we estimate your business is gonna, you know, benefit this much. If they trust me that I'm being genuine, that I have the experience, the tools, the team to keep that promise, then they buy, mm. right? Yeah. If they don't, if they don't trust me, either the company, the product, or the company, product, or the salesperson, if one of those three is missing, then if they don't trust in those three, then they don't buy. It's from The Wolf, the Way of the Wolf, book by Jordan Belfort. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's product, person, and company. And so if those trust vials are full then they buy the more quickly you can establish trust the the faster the deal gets done all of the sales process and structures removed from it i mean those are still important but that's what makes people buy is that trust Mm -hmm. and and i i i I love that you're starting a podcast and you have a ton of uh content around your brand Mm -hmm. that you're building out and that all in my opinion, establishes trust because it's like I'm offering all this free value, and guess what? This is like good shit. Yeah, Something that I have to say. Yeah,
2: and it feels really good too. I mean, that we I put my heart and soul into that one product. I mean, we're we're working on more now, like a skincare system, but the product that we launched with, under the Scara label. Yeah, yeah, under Scara. Yeah, under Scarra. The journey to get to the product has just been arduous. <laughs> you know, it's been very been uh, brought to your knees. Yeah, it's uh. We dealt with so many bad suppliers, so many liars, um, really th- thieves. Yeah, CBD industry was, you know, it's still, it's very much Wild West, very much so. So be very careful who you work with. That's why our position, too, is like transparency, transparency, transparency. There, There's a class action lawsuit right now that just got filed against Charlotte's Web, which is like, the, yeah, biggest, biggest the, the biggest, the biggest CBD company in the world. E-commerce because of like potency tests and just different things like that. So it's like us, like we literally have a link to our test results under every product. We won't sell it if it doesn't test over or if it doesn't test favorably. Yeah, you know. So, like, we have a dermatologist who I won't say her name right now, just because she's not officially signed on, but she is in the process of working with us right now, reviewing our test results. And she's very impressed with our level of transparency because she's tried to do this with other CBD companies before. And she's like, Give me this test. They're like, Why do you need this test? She's like, What do you mean? Why do you need this test? Like, this is everything. Like, this is like, I need to see if there's, heavy metals in this and like how much (laughs) heavy metals are in it you know like i need to see if there's pesticides in this you know and then so our you know we sent we sent her our test results no mold no pesticides no solvents like nothing no no problem tested way over our advertised cannabinoid profile like for example our 300 milligram ones have like 450 Wow! Like, so, I mean, you know, Make we're going to, yeah, we're going to shopscar.com You hurry up before those run out <laughs> because we're, you know, we're, we're, we were working on it. You know, we're working. We, I told the lab specifically, I said, do whatever you need to do. It needs to test over the advertise, charge me, whatever, like it needs to test over the advertise because of so many other companies getting screwed for it. Like I saw this. Graphic. And guess what?
1: It's the right thing to do.
2: Boom. <laughs> and that's it's the right like, thing to do <laughs> like obviously yeah it's like i'm i'm not in the business of trying of lying to people you know it's like <laughs> straight like, up like, yeah like uh we're gonna put you know 500 milligrams is you know full spectrum hemp extract in this and then there's like you know 10 like but that's that sounds ridiculous but that's but that's that's what's that's happening, what's happening. Yeah. that's what's happening with all so many companies right now i won't i don't even need to name them but it's like oh, this is a 1,000 milligram rub that has 20 milligrams in it. I threatened to sue someone because they were selling me a bunch of product that they said had 100 milligrams of CBD in it and it had zero. And they were sending me fake test results because that, that was before I was doing my own test results. I was just taking theirs. Fuck. You know what I'm saying? I was just taking theirs. They would yeah. feed me the test results. I would look at it, say, okay, this is this is a test result I actually company. I think I need to get my friendly paws pet cbd tested <laughs> well, I mean, probably bro <laughs> you got to connect me with your lab dude. dude i will do it right now desert valley um testing very good testing company Damn, they, they, they do a very good job and they're they don't they don't play they're doing it yeah they're they're doing the right things but yeah i mean one of of the things i want to ask is i want to i want to understand your
1: story getting up to to scar because you have a lot you have a lot of consciousness of how you do business and transparency and things like that if you can talk about it what is your business history look like and and what are the lessons that made you say all right this is how i'm gonna run this business this time around and what are the fuck ups
2: yeah so, so a lot so many like So I like to be proud of. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I I I used to wear them as badges of shame. Now I wear them as badges of honor, which, in all fairness, it's easier to do that when something is working for you. (laughs) Yeah, once it's done. (laughs) So I'm not going to front and say that, you know, if I wasn't doing anything, you know, right now I'm not. I don't know how I would feel about it, but this is how I feel now. But man, like, I, I honestly this would be a whole nother five hours worth of talking because i started a entertainment company once this was years ago i would say my biggest success on that was like i had a literally a line of parents and children out this out the door at a barnes and noble because they were getting to meet elsa and that was, that was, I just had one of my friends who was a, like, like a model dressed up as Elsa, which I bought the, I bought, I bought these costumes No way. and I was there, I made a deal with the Barnes and Noble, which <laughs> at the, which at the time, now I'm looking back and I missed a huge opportunity. And I'll tell you about that in a second. So it's like dual thing. It's like a success and like a failure that I can learn from. The success was working with Barnes and Noble to use their email list to emailed to all the people mm-hmm. in the neighborhood Absolutely. Elsa's going to be here on this day, come and meet and meet her and, and get pictures taken with her, with your kids. So, so yeah, success on people showing up. Right. And for me, it was good for me t- because I was handing out flyers for my company. Like we're going to, we would come to your house, we would have like Elsa and like all these other. Uh, obviously, I couldn't call her Elsa. I would just like you know, I would say Ice Princess, you know. <laughs> but like, but you know, like I would, I would say, you know, these. I would have these different costumes. I had like Cinderella on. I had Elsa. I had a couple of Elsa's sister. I don't remember the name even. Okay. But um, well, how old were you? I don't. I was like twenty two or something, twenty three around okay. there. Like pretty, you know, like my first year being without a job. Basically, I I had job free. I had quit my easy cushy job i was making around like a 100 you know Oh, really yeah at that age. yeah yeah at yeah at 22 yeah i was oh, wow. yeah i was crushing it yeah i was um so before that i, I managed an i managed la fitnesses about the same money but 12 hours a day six days a week and then i went to insurance. i was like one of the top salesmen there for like as long as i was there like i don't know 18, oh, wow. 18 months cool. or something and that was like a four-day work week Cause you just work 10 hours a day, four days a week. Yeah. Pay was really good, but I literally got to the point like, this is like, I talked to some people about this. Entrepreneurship isn't necessarily for everyone. And I think people need to be very realistic about that. Certain people. I think that people do have, like, I think, I think that I wouldn't waste it upon anyone. <laughs> like I, because like, I know I'm built for this simply because when I was working for other people, I literally got to the point where I was physically ill. I was physically ill going to work. Need some CBD, buddy. Yeah, it was bad. Uh, CBD wasn't even a thing back then. At least not in my zeitgeist. I was physically ill going to work. Like, what am I doing? This is, and, and it goes back to my root fear, if I could tell you. What's your root fear? Am I making the best possible use of my time? that's a deep fear of mine it's a deep fear of constantly thinking like i could be doing something more useful with my time right now and (laughs) i'm honored to be here yeah no and i feel i I feel very in in line with that especially as of late you know it's beautiful so i was just in like crippling like just feeling just gross every day because i'm like this is definitely not it (laughs) This is definitely not the best use wow. of my time. Like, oh, they want to promote me to manager here. They want me to, you know, eventually run like the region insurance or whatever. It's like, that's great for someone else. Not for me. I have to figure out my own way. Yeah, I think
1: a lot of people go through unnecessary masochistic experiences. <laughs>
2: well, for doing me,
1: entrepreneurship. Yeah. Unnecessary being the emphasis word. I mean, yeah, after working in corporate and going and working for myself, It took me, like, two, three years to get back to where I was financially, how much I was making per year.
2: Mm.
1: So it was, like, two, three years of, like, depression and, like, fighting and just, it was hard, dude. And, like, again, I wouldn't wish that upon anyone, especially, like, a woman who has kids to care for right? or something like that. Yeah. like Like, it seems pretty fucked up. And like, you know, all oh, the relationships fail. <laughs> you know? oh my Elon God. Musk is like yeah. the 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 pinnacle the, of the that. Prime
2: example. Yeah. <laughs> like
1: he did it all for the business and he's got all this impact, but the guy literally has no life to himself. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, that's so and crazy. He's pretty beat up from it, you know. In his interview, he was pretty depressed. Where he talked about like right after the the last um, divorce, mm-hmm. he's like, I have nobody. Like He just basically sits in his big-ass house alone. Now, of course, he goes and works, and it makes him feel a sense of purpose, but that's an extreme example of why I, I, I don't necessarily recommend it because it's, it's just unnecessary beatings in a lot of cases. Yeah,
2: and it's so funny because I would say, I don't know, maybe let me speak for myself, but I spent so much time kind of almost looking down on people that don't want that life yeah and because which, we attach it to our purpose
1: yeah yeah which
2: is also not a good thing it's not a great thing i know and like I, this is something i'm kind of just like especially in the last like two or three years i haven't had i haven't had fucking time to look down on anybody <laughs> you know but like thinking about that like it, i was like damn like i should really actively not do that <laughs> you know i find it funny though that's one of the one of
1: the things that i respect most about entrepreneurship is it it removes, it cuts fat off and removes residue and anything unnecessary so quickly because if you wanna be successful in entrepreneurship, there is no room for complacency and bullshit. Mm-hmm. And so it makes you sort through all of these components, of your personality and clean up shop. And so it ends up making you a really complete person in a lot of ways because you've gone through a lot of negative experiences. So you, you learn humility through that, but you also learn to remove things that don't serve you really quickly. Whereas if you're at a day job, like you could get by doing the same shit for two decades and never remove an old bad habit, like say smoking or something. Like Mm. there's people who, you know, work in say Midwest and go outside and smoke every day. And like, I mean, I guess you could do that if you're an entrepreneur too, but just the the amount of optimization that you're that you're forced to do to become successful in this really competitive world, Mm. it forces you to become a really complete human. And one of the things when I was, uh, you know, now that I'm single, I'm I'm evaluating what's important to me in partners. And I thought I didn't want a, a female entrepreneur as a girlfriend. And I had I dated somebody who worked in corporate and she tended to be pretty narrow. And that's all I'll say about it, but she just wasn't open-minded. Mm-hmm. And then I met entrepreneur women and they were not insecure. They're not overly emotional. They understood, you know, we each have our own lives and we each have our own space that we need to be successful. And ended up actually really finding an attraction for that in women because it's like these people are really refined humans uh, because they've gone through so many experiences. Mm. So in that way, I mean, yeah, maybe give it a shot if you if you want to like go through a crazy ass roller coaster of a life and mm. and be brought to your knees and humbled a lot.
2: Be my guest. You're gonna become a better human because of it. Yeah. I really like I really like how you mentioned like your first couple of years, like two, three years battling depression. And I Tim Ferriss, that book, four hour work week, kind yeah. of like really motivated me to be like, no, I'm not gonna work this job anymore. And I so I started Classic. This, I started listening to this podcast. The and, and and he would talk and he would talk about entrepreneurs being some of the most depressed people in the world. And I, and i that was like mind boggling to me because at the time i had really no real grasp on depression even though i dealt with it like i still couldn't like figure it out and <laughs> or i was maybe like maybe you don't even we, was, maybe you're not even aware of it yeah like and i was like so surprised by that and then i was having such bad oh my god i had i was fucking poor <laughs> you know yeah me too that's what caused it like i was was like not being
1: able to pay the rent yeah when i was at the height of my company yeah you know i was like everyone thought i was all successful i'm like dude i literally can't pay rent this month it was in december 2016 uh, and i was i was inches away from inking this two million dollar investment from kevin hart uh we had a term sheet they had agreed to move forward literally his manager's words were at one thousand percent we're in and i'm like all right let's go and the deal started falling through dude and it was so backbreaking for me and this is when i realized as optimistic and you know benevolent and chipper of a guy that i am uh, i was fucking depressed yeah and he kevin hart came into philly and he was re- revealing this uh, mural on the side of a building in north philly where he's from mm. and i was supposed to go meet the team there cuz they're finally in town from la and <laughs> i like my heart started beating really fast and like, <sighs> and my partner is like, you got to get out there, Jonathan, stop working. Go, go meet them up. Like, this is our opportunity to sit to, to, to finalize the deal. Mm. And I ended up going up into my room and then I laid on my bed and started crying mm. and then I fell asleep. Damn. And then I woke up like, whoa, the fuck just happened. Mm. And <laughs> I'm like, wow, I must've been pretty, depressed and anxious, even though the whole time I was like meditating every day, going to the gym. But I mean, without getting paid with the huge ups and downs, the deal eventually fell through. And I think it was like, I think it was a really valuable lesson about like, Uh, about where I hitch my
2: value. You know, it's so hard, especially as vocational people, when your vocation isn't going so well to not tie that to your self-worth and i still haven't fucking figured that one out yeah
1: i was gonna say i I still don't know how to answer i I talk i talk with my coach about it and that's one of the biggest topics about that Mm -hmm. we talk about is like dude you gotta stop making this you Mm. i'm like what is my purpose
2: this is what i was meant to do yeah man when i when i had a i had a book business i had 10 employees uh, warehouse was buying and selling wow. like forty thousand books at a time. That's what I was telling you I I lived in that warehouse. <laughs> I lived in that warehouse for a while <laughs> um, when I was like bootstrapping, getting it going, and I eventually got like a place. That's the there. kind of stuff I would never wish on somebody else. Dude, me either. Like literally roaches. You know what I'm saying? Like. <laughs> like sleeping on the floor type shit, you know, like, Fuck. dude, it was, it was honestly though. I look back at it. So like endearingly, like I really, it, it's I wasn't, cute now, I, dude, but wasn't it was thing, rough at, the time, at, the time, time. at the time I wasn't even, I have such a clear vision of how that business was going to go. And it, and it, and it obviously didn't go that way, <laughs> but, but at the time I was so laser focused that it wasn't a big deal, you know? Cause like I, I grew up like in a roller coaster of, having money and not having money like my family like sometimes mm-hmm. we would have it and then other times like we didn't and in my high school years i had to like help pay the bills and shit because the economy uh, crashed you know and like i was there I lost the business had to help pay the bills this <laughs> is literally like, exactly what happened with my yeah, family too. yeah bro like so one so, day we're like my dad's bringing home a new car and the next day it's like uh, we don't have any money <laughs> yeah we're moving <laughs> like we have to move in with grandma now and eat peanut butter and jelly and oatmeal every fucking day like literally that was my life and we literally moved from like this beautiful two-story place in like the one of the prettiest parts of like Florida suburb to like this you know not so great place with my grandma and all her cats and dogs that piss all over the fucking floor like dude it was it was oh, it was crazy like it was like this crazy juxtaposition so I know what that's like, but still, even yet, when my book business failed, so Amazon changed the fees like on books, like we were making money hand over fist with with these books, like reselling them, used books, like thousands and thousands at a time, and they were like, that's "Oh, so we're loud. we're gonna we're gonna change the fee structure," so like basically cutting our margins of profit, our profit margins in like into pieces, like getting a fraction of what we were getting before and we were like oh, well it looks like we have to like we were trying to figure out how to pivot how to do this and that like it just there was really nothing so funny because at the do. time
1: you like don't think it's as bad as it is you don't oh think yeah it's going to happen oh
2: yeah it's not going to happen And then to little me. by little just business just erodes yeah it just eroded it did and then i was in a bunch of debt because like i was banking on um, Oh, I dude, banking. I forgot about the debt dude, part. The debt All part, entrepreneurs go through dude, debt. So much debt. You know, like I'm almost done paying it off now still. Like I'm not even done. Like <laughs> you, didn't even want to know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, dude, so like I uh it was just it was so bad. And um so you're almost done paying it off. Can I ask how much it was at the height? If you're comfortable saying, that no, I'll tell, I'd, 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 I'd 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 rather not. I'll tell you, yeah, I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later.
1: Okay, when I was at the height of my business, that was uh-huh. featured in Forbes, and Kevin Hart was about to be our investor yeah. and all this stuff, I was seventy thousand dollars, yeah, in oh. debt to this company. Oh man, just just this past year, I, I paid it down. Per- personal debt. Well, I mean, this business personal yeah, debt, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, the, it was a company credit card. My co founder uh-huh. didn't help me pay it off, and um, I paid it down, and and then I. I made way more back on the tail end. You know, we, I, I earned this year. I earned uh, more than uh, almost double what I earned when I was in corporate. Mm. Um, so, like, I got out of it, and I eventually saved a lot of money and stuff. But a lot of
2: entrepreneurs don't get out of that. No, no, they don't. And I'm blessed like i'm just on like a plan because it was so past due all that stuff i just pay it monthly and i just don't care like whatever i don't i don't need you know like like it's just like it was a nightmare so i was so depressed when that book business that's all subconscious depression too dude that's the stuff that's living deep in there it's deep in there because like i said so vocational i'm so vocational (laughs) like you know my whole identity was wrapped up in that business you know and then like, I'm like, well, fuck, what am I going to do now? I don't have any money. I can't get any credit. Like, what am I going to do? You know, like it was just like this deep, 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 deep depression. I, I
1: hear that. And I just want to say one thing while we're talking about this. And we may have to cut this out. I don't know how comfortable I'm going <laughs> to be sharing that. Sure. But I was talking to another um, guy who's running a business that does, I think, 38 million per year. Mm. And he was personally $450,000 in debt. Mm. His business is 38 million per year. Big fitness uh, supplements company. Damn. So, um, yeah, don't, if, if you're going through that, don't feel alone. Um, and and in everyone, unfortunately, debt finances business. That's why it exists.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's like a, du- a double-edged sword for sure. And educations apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Was All right, we
1: we got to wrap it up yeah. here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it's a f- fun high note to leave on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um maybe not, but yeah. it's it's reality. Humbling. Folks. Yeah, truthful. It's reality, folks. <laughs> yeah, it's the real. Love your mom.
1: <laughs> yeah, be, be on mama's boy. <laughs> well, I guess my last question for you, Jordan, is uh, is
2: mama proud? I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. You should ask her. Yeah, I will. You know what? I will ask her. You know, actually, now that I think about it. Shoot her text message. After. She 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 did text me the other day because I have a very close relationship with my sister. Like I'm kind of like trying to like parent her from afar. She's 13. Oh this wow, like the toughest time in life, isn't it? It's like middle school. It's like uh, the toughest time. Yeah, it's a rough time. Uh, but she texted me like, "You're such a good man. I'm so I'm so mom did. Yeah, she said you're such a good man. I'm so happy." of the man that you've become or something like that it was something like that so i'm I'm pretty sure she's proud of me (laughs) that was very uh that was very warming
1: took a long time to get there but
2: you appreciate it more yeah yeah it did take a long time to get there for sure through a lot of tears of why don't you believe in this you know Uh, oh man (laughs) well i'm proud of you too i'm proud of you too what about your mom is she proud of you
1: my mom is yeah yeah I kiss her ass a lot. I'm her, I'm her poster boy. <laughs> it's, it's the most important relationship in my opinion. I mean, yeah. yeah, of course the dad is too, but
2: uh uh-huh.
1: yeah. it's awesome, man. Well, Jordan, it's been a pleasure as always. Dude. Um, I'm sure we'll do way more of these. We, yeah, I, I'm confident that we will. We didn't even get to talk about business. We didn't, which is fine. <laughs> Ended up talking about religion. The poor audience. <laughs> yeah, the poor audience now, though I'm sure somebody will like it. <laughs> Alright, beauty. Well, it's been a pleasure, Jordan. Yeah. I'll catch you on the flip side. Cool, man. Alright. Cheers.